Good morning and welcome to Generation Tech. I'm Todd Brinker. I'm joined by my dad, Jack. He is uh, getting hooked up and wired in here, so we'll give him a minute to do that. But uh, yeah, we talk about tech and tech-related things going on in the world here. And uh, one of the links that he sent me, um, and just join in when, you, when you're ready, when you can hear me, Dad, but uh, was a how to shoot video on your iPhone and play music in the background. And uh, so I tried this, and it's a little weird in that it plays the music out through the speakers, and then the microphone while you're shooting video picks up the sound. So if you happen to hold the phone in a way where you're putting your finger over the speakers or you don't have the volume turned up or you're listening to your sound through AirPods or any other kind of headphone, then it won't work. So you have to have the sound coming out of the speaker on the phone while you're recording. And then the microphone will pick up the sound. And it's pretty simple. All you do is you go into whatever music app you want to use, whether it be Apple Music or Spotify or something else, and you start playing the music. And then while you're playing the music, you open up the camera app, but you leave it in photo mode. And if you press and hold on photo mode on the shutter button, then it will start recording video, and you'll see the little timer start going as it's recording video. And then if you don't want to keep holding it, you can slide your finger to the right uh, off of that button without lifting up, and it'll then basically lock it into record mode, and you can then continue recording as long as you would like. Uh, and the music will be playing in the background. And when you're done, you just hit the stop button. Uh, and it works. It works fine. I think it works most uh, works best in a uh, not real loud environment. Again, because the microphone is picking up music from the speakers on the phone itself. So it's not like um, signaling to the phone, hey, use this audio feed and blend it in with audio from the microphones. You're just getting not high quality audio, huh? Yeah. So what you're getting is music coming in <laughs> from the microphones, uh, you know, that happens to be playing on the speakers on the same device. Um, and again, so in a, in a quiet environment, it works pretty well. But in a loud environment, you might have some issues with it. Did you then play the video back? I did. And that's what I'm and saying. And you could hear this and you could hear it. Yeah, you can hear it. You can also hear your hand scraping along the thing if you choose to make the any, you know, shuffling noises or whatever, you know. So it's it's the microphone is picking up the sound from the speakers. Um, you know, so if you really wanted to put like if you're in a loud environment, say you're at a kid's um, sporting event or something and you want to play music over it, this is probably not the way to do it. You should probably record it and then take the video into uh, an editing app and layer some sound on top of it that way. And then you can adjust the volume of that music in relation to the background sound. Um, but for a quick and easy way, if you want to just play some music while you're shooting some video in a not too loud environment, it works fine. Kind of cool. Well, let, let me tell you about my, my trial. And uh, I just did it once. Mm -hmm. And uh, it, it, everything, as you said, it's, I could see the timer going, you know, and after I'm done, I, I really wasn't paying much attention to what I was doing in terms of video, no real action or anything like that. Mm -hmm. But I, I expected to see some, some movement, but when I let off of it, basically I had a picture. In other words, it wasn't video cause I, but then I didn't really move it to be sure that it was, you know, uh, creating so, a moving yeah, so, thing. So, so I may have been fooled. Yeah, when you went to press the button, because it's in photo mode, if you don't press and hold on that button, if your hand uh, taps or taps and then lets go, you get a snapshot because it's in photo mode. Yeah. 
which is the thing that's a little weird because most people would say, well, I want to put my camera in video mode, but you don't do that but, for this case. But but what I'm telling you, though, is that I saw the uh, timer go switch by, so I thought I was in video mode. Uh-huh. So when you, you went know, to your photo library, did you have a short video and uh, – so maybe you, you, you held it, then you let go of it, so you got a short video, and then you tapped it again? In other words – you, you weren't consistent in holding yeah. it because it's real easy to do because it's not a real button. You're just putting your hand on a piece of glass. Yeah. You know? Uh, no, I no, I didn't go to the library and see what I had. So yeah, see, you're right. What, I, I probably That's what probably I did. Messed I, it up. I went and played it back from the library. But it's um, uh, or from the photo app. The photos app, I guess, is what it's called. Photos as opposed to camera. Yeah. The... Um, yeah, because camera shows you the last thing you shot, whereas photos shows you everything you've shot. Um, the, yeah, I mean, you know, it's one of those things where it, it works. It'll work in limited limited instances, but it's kind of cool that you can do that. Um, I think that um, uh, for most people, I guess in a quick and dirty sense, if you had some music you wanted to put behind something, it'd work just fine. You can shoot it that way. Um, you know, there are certain things that just seem to me to be, and I know Apple's been moving towards, you know, eventually we'll just give you this slab of glass and it'll be glass on the front, glass on the back, and you won't need any buttons or anything. We're going to seal everything up. You won't need any place, any plugs or holes or anything because you'll charge it, you know, on a, on a stand and you won't have to plug it into anything. And it, But, you know, sometimes a button just does it better, you know? <laughs> it just does it better. Yeah. It's like in car stereos. You know, for a while they went away from the idea of knobs and everything was just a button. Well, you know what? To raise and lower the volume, a knob works better than tapping a button up and down. It's just, yep. it's better. It works better. It gives you more fine control. And, and there are certain just things that are more ergonomic. They just work better. And, uh, you know. But, but they cost more to make. Yeah, and well, they got reliability and, problems. And, and, and anytime there's something mechanical, then there's an opportunity for something to wear out and break, and opportunity for water to get inside the case because you know it leaks because we had to put a hole in it so that you could plug it in for headphones or for for charging or whatever. I get it. There's there's reasons to do all these things, um, uh, but it's, uh, it's all a trade-off, you know. And and. and you know exactly they look at it and say well are the do the benefits outweigh the costs of getting rid of you know insert whatever here and apple's very good at saying let's get rid of this because we found another way to do it and even though it maybe isn't as good it's good enough and it will work fine and it gives us these other benefits you know the ability to do x y and z um you know i mean design wise i've always felt like the phones have gotten there's been too much emphasis on making them thinner and thinner I don't care how thin it is. I, w I would rather it be lighter, uh, which means the back shouldn't be made out of glass. Make the glass uh, the back out of uh, aluminum or something that's lighter because glass is fairly heavy uh, and yep. slippery and prone to breaking. And then um, I've always thought that, that what I would like to see is a little thicker phone with a better lens on it. You know, yeah. I would like to see a better lensing, but then, I, you know, I'm a, I'm into photography. I would rather see a better camera on the back of these things. And I know the ones they have are great for what they are. But, um, you know, I, would, I wouldn't even be opposed to uh, creating an interchangeable lens standard so you could snap lenses onto them much like you do with a, a DSLR or like some of the, um, 
the new uh, uh, digital cameras where you could you know put different lenses on it. And if you wanted no lens, if you wanted to run it with a just the bill, uh, a, a small flat lens, you could, which would be your default lens. But you could pop that off and put on a you know a longer lens and use it like a real camera. Then it would be able to actually replace some of the existing cameras. And still have all the advantages of the image processing and the um, the um, uh, connectivity of a of a phone. You know that device yeah. doesn't exist. Well. the the best The best cameras out there attach to your phone and use your phone. I would rather it all be one device that worked that worked well. You know, I don't want to have to go through some yeah. kludgy software to get the photo from my camera to my phone and then put it into my photo library. I want it to be now. Wait a minute. Now, 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 wait a minute. This this is an this is an Apple camera phone. So they're competing with those other cameras that you're talking about. They don't make one of those. <laughs> oh well, I, I get that they they view the, the the current iPhones as you know cameras, not necessarily primarily, but that's a large piece of their function. What I'm saying is is that they. In my mind, they haven't gone far enough. In fact, I always thought yeah. instead of in, on on like a you know your big uh, your your Canon or your Nikon, instead of putting little SD cards in there, I should be able to just slide my phone in there, and then when I take a picture, it automatically goes to the phone. It's automatically geotagged by the phone. It's automatically uplinked to my uh, photo library, so I have backups of the images immediately. Um, you know, and if if I'm somewhere where I don't have signal, they're all queued up. So as soon as I get to somewhere where there's signal, it uploads the images so that they're backed up in the cloud. Um, you know, well, I, I want you, that sort of integration. You, you know, what I had, it occurred to me when they were making all these different size phones that they had a real opportunity to do that. And what they would have done is to put it on the big one, because obviously the guy who wants a phone that wants uh, to choose different lenses and stuff. If they were to ever do that, then they don't care about it being in your pocket. You know, they're kind of mm -hmm. a camera person. So just don't worry about the size. Just make a mm -hmm. model of your phone that is fundamentally more a camera than a phone. Right. Except, you know. Yeah. You just take that perspective and say, this is this is for my phone camera users and the others are my phone. I'm sorry, my camera phone users instead of a phone camera user you know right yeah it's a matter of emphasis right you know and i'm not saying that you need one of those you know two foot long super telephoto lenses that i'm going to now hold up to my ear to take a phone call um but uh you know it's i would like the option of of attaching lenses to it that that give me yeah. capabilities that i i can't get in something that's you know less than a quarter inch thick Fish eye, right? You want a fish eye. So, well, there's a variety of different things <laughs> that I would want, and and they cover, you know, they cover it fairly well as is, but they don't do all of it, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. So. I know what you're saying. Yeah. Besides, you see, what uh, they should recognize is that camera guys just love to spend on accessories. They're the ultimate accessory people. They want a bag full of stuff. Well, some do. <laughs> depends on what you're doing yeah, and how you're we, doing it you know i mean we, i remember we, going to the, go ahead we've seen those photographers out in the wild you know they're out there with their bag digging through stuff getting it all set up and mm -hmm. they're just having a jolly old time yeah well I mean, <laughs> you know there's a certain affinity for for um 
for gadgets, I think, but also, you know, there's people who, who make their living for newspapers and things like that, catching image, images, and, uh, you know, and they, you know, they would carry the lenses they needed in order to take the, the sports shots, you know. Usually that had to be some kind of a telephoto in order to get a, an image in yeah. close, right? Yeah. You know, they wanted to give you the up-close and personal shot from a distance yeah. of football games and basketball games and swim meets and yeah. whatever. Yeah, well, in the world of trade-offs, I suspect that Apple, uh, at some point in their development of the, uh, the camera on the phone, uh, said, how close can we get to a really good, good enough quality phone that a lot of the professionals will buy it for their job, you know, a significant number of people, uh, versus, uh, you know, still wanting a camera, and, uh, and how many won't. And so they, they, they look at it from a market standpoint. If, you know, if they got to put a lot into it to get more additional customers, they will. But uh, I suspect that things are so good that with people making movies from their phones now that uh, that they're not likely to ever really consider that, that option of making yeah. the... Oh, yeah. It's, they, they would, you're right. They you look know. at, you know, they're, they're shooting for the general right now, and someday if things start to tight, tighten up, then they'll look at trying to appeal to more niche categories, and that's definitely a niche. And they'll, you know, and then they'll say, okay, well, it makes sense for us to spend the money and the effort to do that, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm picking up a lot of noise of somebody doing dishes. Is, are you sitting in the same room with them, or is there a door open or something? Because it's. I do have a door open. Let I'm me, getting. Let me close the door. Background noise. There we go. Is that better? Yeah. Okay. Besides, I had my phone kind of aimed that way, or the speaker, or the microphone. I'm sorry. So. Yeah. I wasn't paying attention. Yeah. Anyway, well, I was just telling you, I was picking it up. That's no big deal. Um. Yeah, you know, I, I I understand it's not a realistic want. It's just, you know, something I would like. I would like some option like that, you know. And I'm not saying lenses the size of things that attach to, you know, a professional DSLR uh, or even that attach to the new mirrorless cameras, you know, or even the, the micro four-thirds cameras. It could, they could be a smaller. They can make their own standard for lenses that attach to it that makes sense for the size of the sensor. But I think they could also make larger sensors. I think there are um, uh, advantages to that. And at this point, they felt like they haven't needed them for what they were doing and for what they were targeting. They get great imagery off of the super, super tiny sensors that they're using. Um, I just think that if they took that same technology and applied it to a larger sensor, they would even be better uh, because they collect more light. And after all, that's what, you know imagery both video and yeah. and still is all about is collecting light right reflecting back so yep so uh <clears throat> make the hole bigger right yeah bigger is better <laughs> bigger is better at least in that in that particular instance the physics you know it's just physics you can only do so much um and yeah. anything you apply to to you know images taken with smaller sensors could be applied to larger sensors to even better effect so So I, so I I read a rumor that uh, Apple is going to finally announce their new uh, iPad Pros, and they're going to do it without any kind of announcement. They're just going to do a press release and say they're now available in the store. Yeah, and uh, 
they got a lot of nice, good cameras on them this time. So They're trying they, to kind of finally they, say that, you know, the pro, at least the pro guys want cameras. The, the iPad Pro in the last generation had the exact same camera as the iPhone 11. It had the same f- three cameras in it as the iPhone 11 Pro. And, and in it fact, is? it had, yeah, and it had a LiDAR sensor that was not in the iPhone 11. So it was a yeah. precursor of the iPhone 12 in that respect. So, so they, that was the, the last upgrade was nothing but camera upgrade for the most part. Um, there was very little else that went on with it. So now the expect, expectation is, is that they will go to the A14X, which will give them a significantly better processor because right now they're on the A12X, which was the iPhone 11 uh, processor yeah. core with, with, you know, they always put the X on there where they give it some extra cores when they go to the iPad Pros. It's probably going to be essentially the M1 set up as a uh, iPad, I think. Yep. Yeah, they'll, uh, mm-hmm. they'll eventually tend to merge the two at some point. Yeah, in terms of what the processors can do and you know whether they continue to tag them as A and M for Mac and for the yeah. uh, Apple standard Apple processor used in the iOS devices, who knows, but... Uh, um, but but I'm thinking but I'm thinking that that you may be able to run uh, uh, the oh, the Mac OS on an iPad, but it mm-hmm. won't have all the same capabilities as a computer because it's uh, you know you've got limited I/O, but you already mm-hmm. can do a few things through the I/O port, and yeah. they'll have the computers do the same that you can run your your phone and your uh, iPad stuff on the computers. Right. But they'll still have their form factors because they have the form factors offer different things. Sure. Yeah. Well, I mean, the the current uh, Pros and Mac and iPad Air have USB-C connectors that are USB 3.1 or 3.2 compatible. Um, and it makes perfect sense that they would go to USB 4 compatibility, which also then by default includes... Um, uh, Thunderbolt in it, and so they're going to have some of the fastest, you know, speed through that. And then you can always plug a dongle in to provide yourself more and different kinds of ports off of that, right? And yeah. uh, and they already sell a keyboard that that they the pros fit into that has a trackpad on it now. Uh, granted, it's a three hundred dollar keyboard, but or, or well, for the for the big one, it's three hundred. It's two hundred for the smaller one, um, but. So you now have a keyboard with a trackpad on it. There's no reason for that device not to be able to run Mac OS when you want it to, uh, other than Apple yeah. just saying, we don't want to do that. Yeah. Quite honestly, I thought, I thought what they might do is uh, when, when they were creating the de- developer's kit for the new M1 Macs before they had released them, that what they were going to do yeah. was give you a, a, an iPad Pro and say, this is the developer's kit. You know, you don't have to go buy a developer's uh, kit. Just download the software uh, onto your iPad, which I thought would have been really, really cool. Um, but they didn't, mostly, I think, because they don't have enough memory. That the, like, the, yeah. the developer kit had 16 gigabytes of memory, and the current yeah. uh, M1 Max have either 8 or 16 gigabytes of memory. And most iPads, like the Pros, the current line of Pros, I think, has 6. So, yeah. You know, they, they want the experience to be positive, right? But if the new ones come out 
rumor has it they're going to have the new, uh, the large one will have the new mini LED screen, and I would bet they have more memory. Yeah, I, I, at some point you got to think this device has all the input, you know, necessary for it to run the uh, both OSs. Why am I limiting myself to one or the other? Right, right. My thinking on this, for my own personal use, is that I've been asking myself, do I even want to continue to maintain my computer capabilities that I have? Mm-hmm. And, uh, and and I've, I've kind of concluded that I, that I kind of have to, And but I don't want, I've got two computers, the uh, desktop uh, mini and the, and the little MacBook mm-hmm. uh, 12-incher. And of the two, now I'm more inclined to upgrade the desktop. Now it's only a question of whether I get a small iMac to replace that or, or just get a mini and replace it and keep the other trash I have. Right. But, but I'm kind of, kind of inclined to be tempted for, to the iMac. Yeah. Just, just for the quality. Yeah. Well, you'll yeah. certainly get a, a better quality screen. Um, you know, it's funny, my my work environment or my device use now has kind of settled into, you know, I have a laptop, but I only use it when I'm traveling somewhere for the most part. Um, and even mm-hmm. then, I, I I have been bringing it along, but very often I don't even take it out of my bag. I use the iPad uh, as my portable device. And then the vast majority of my actual computing takes place at a desktop with a big screen and a mouse. And uh, yeah. Yeah, and that's kind of where I have settled down too. It's like the the idea of a laptop Mac doesn't make a lot of sense to me anymore. Yeah, yeah. There's nothing that's saying exactly. that you couldn't buy a laptop Mac and plug it into a screen and use it as a desktop, and then you have you know portability when you want. And I know some people say that's the way to go because then when you do take it with you, you don't have to copy over anything. Everything's already there because that's your primary machine. You just use it as a desktop most of the time. Um, and I guess yeah. that's that's a way to go, too. But then you're paying for an extra screen and keyboard that you hardly ever use, right? Because it's plugged into a monitor, a bigger monitor and a keyboard. Yeah. But, so, but, but then, you know, we've been just talking between the uh, iPad and the, and the computers. But then there's still the idea in the back of my mind that I, I have a really powerful phone, mm-hmm. you know. And, and so why not make that? You use a, a, a capable of easily using a large screen, other than other than just a TV. You know, maybe yeah. I'm silly here, but but well, you, you know, know, I I've always wondered that too. And in fact, um, I don't know if they still support it, but they uh, Samsung never published it much, but they had that basically set up where um, you would take your device and just plug it into a dock and on the back of the dock you would plug in your keyboard and your monitor and and a you know a pointing device if you wanted to use it via bluetooth or whatever and when you plugged it in it basically worked as chrome os with which also supports the android devices and you had a full functioning desktop and then when you were done you just unplug it you know pick it up from the dash which is also a charging stand just looks like a charging stand mm-hmm. and go on your merry way right. and so everything was in your pocket you know, when you wanted the, the bigger screen and the keyboard, you had it. And when you didn't, you didn't need it. And I've well, always well, thought that makes a lot of sense. I'm, uh, you know, is that is that an invention of Google? Uh, no, it's uh, to my knowledge, it's a Samsung product, and they're the only ones that are doing it. Huh. See, I, I, I bet Apple's got their eye on them just to see, you know, if if there's any appeal there to to the general public. 
maybe we're too techie and we're we're thinking outside the box too much. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't you know? know. It's um See, the the average person doesn't really think out of the box. They just say, yeah, "I want a phone," you know? And then after a while they get tired of it and say, "Hey, it's time for me. I'll get a new phone," you know? But we we think about these other things, contemplate them deeply. <laughs> You know, sometimes I laugh at myself, saying, where, "Where am I going with this?" You know, <laughs> because uh, it, it, with when all when the M1 was first announced, I was just really biting, at the, chomping at the bit. You know, wanted one of those things ASAP, and and now I'm and I started thinking, "Good Lord, I have to put quite a bit of money into that." You know, <laughs> do I really mm -hmm. want to spend a lot of money on that if I don't use it much? You know, so. Uh, I, I could go back to just updating my Mini and saying, well, I've got my, my M1 now, and that's a cheap solution. But, uh, you know, I, I don't know. I'm not sure what I want to do. Yeah. Because, like I said, I, I, I know 95% of my time is on my iPad Pro. Yeah. That's it. You know? So. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's always a a choice as to how much you you think you'll you'll get out of the investments you've made and these things aren't cheap these days none of them are right i mean yeah when your phone costs a thousand dollars it's it's like that you know do you really need to have a thousand dollar phone a thousand dollar laptop and a thousand dollar ipad apple no. would love you to have all those things but do you really need it no no i see i was i was in fact thinking about maybe uh getting one of those cheap flip phones that somebody's advertising <laughs> Why do I? Why do I really need that phone? Except that that goes in the car with me. You see, it's just so portable. Right. You know. So, uh, but since it has, since I kind of consider it almost a, most essential because of the portability, that's why I like for it to also use a big screen. Mm -hmm. You know. So, anyway, there's all kind of considerations. So um, are we? You're saying we're going to get an announcement sometime in March, kind of where you um, started. Well, the rumor the was that it was going to happen uh, like Tuesday or Wednesday of this week, but I mean, you know, we'll see if that actually comes to be. Yeah. So the Samsung Dex Station, D-E-X Station, gives a desktop experience for Samsung Galaxy Note, Galaxy S8, S8 Plus, S9, S9 Plus, uh, and on the back of it, it has. Uh, uh, a network connector, uh, a couple USB ports, an HDMI connector. Um, so it allows you to convert your smartphone into a desktop computer. But you have to have one of those phones. And those are all slightly older models. They're not the current models. So I don't know if they still support the, uh, the DeX mode. Hmm. Yeah. That's the problem with that. they got to keep upgrading what what do you buy from dex well dex is just the name that the branding of this this desktop docking station that that samsung sells so it's a samsung product and you just buy this docking station and if you have one of the compatible phones then this docking station is plugged into your monitor your keyboard and your mouse uh and as soon as you set your phone on it then your phone basically gives you a desktop experience that uh allows you to 
use it as a desktop operating system, and yet everything's on your phone. So when you're done, you pick up your phone and you go with you, and everything's there. Yeah. Okay, so uh, you haven't read anything about how they're doing in sales or anything like that. I have not, and the fact that the uh, I'm trying to see if there's a uh, a newer version of it. The only one that I see is uh, an older version. So I'm trying to see if, uh, okay, here it is, Samsung Dex Station. Uh, so, yeah, the, the, on the Samsung website, it talks about the Samsung Galaxy S8 series. And they went from S, they went S8, S9, S10, and then from 10, they jumped to 20 and 21. So it's a couple years old at this point. So I don't think. Uh, yeah, if it's not regularly updated, it's, uh, you know, and, and without having to keep spending the money for, yeah. the, for so, the hardware. Yeah, coinciding with the update to Android 10, they discontinued it. And that was in 20, uh, uh, 20 looks like 18, 2019. So two years pro- ago. Probably, go- probably Google did something to mess them up. Yeah. yeah. You know, but I love the well, idea. That, the idea to me, yeah, it wasn't it right. wasn't intriguing enough for me to say I want to like give up the iPhone and switch to a Samsung Android phone. But the concept I thought was phenomenal and I really really wish that Apple had something like that because I think there's, you know, especially now again the processor's the same, right? So so give me a phone that has 16 gigabyte of memory and you know a half a gig of storage space uh, or 500 gig you know half half terabyte of storage space which is in fact they've got full terabyte storage space phones now um, so all I have to do is increase the the working memory and then you know when it's in the docking station I get Mac OS when I pull it out of the docking station I'm running iOS um, yeah you know the other thing I'm wondering about is how, how often are people going to continue to upgrade their Apple phones? You know, I've got the 10 and we're getting ready for 13 and I'm not saying that I'm missing anything that's important to me. Right. But you know, you, 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 that's, that's just too big an expense Mm -hmm. to, uh, to go out unless there's a significant change. Yeah. I kind of think that, you know, I don't know what'll, finally drive me to uh, upgrading but most likely I, I think it might be battery you know the mm-hmm. batteries all have a, a life yeah and yeah when your I phone's you not holding a, a charge as well anymore then it's suddenly like hey now it's time right although yeah. quite frankly you can take it in and have the battery replaced and then you're rocking and rolling again so even then you got to look at it and say you know do i want to spend a hundred bucks and have a new battery put in it or is it is there something really compelling that that i need to spend 10 times that to get a new phone that's about right, what it is, right. you know? Yeah. And so you got to yeah. say, well, there better be something pretty compelling because that's a lot of difference. See, I don't have 5G, but I haven't seen that somebody's getting really yeah. excited about 5G yet. I mean, maybe yeah. it's helped sell some phones, but. Uh, yeah. Yeah. No, I know. It's, um, uh, you know, I mean, Verizon and T-Mobile are the two who have been really, really touting the 5G thing. Um, but. <clears throat> Yeah, I'm not seeing that it's a uh, a huge deal, you know, at this point. And too many places, your phone drops back down to LTE speeds anyway because 5G's spotty at best. So 
Yeah. And the really fast 5G, you basically got to be standing on top of the the access point or it doesn't work anyway. So, yeah. You know. I was I was just out uh at a motel for a few nights and uh the the, the room they they don't the complimentary Wi-Fi there doesn't really work. It's overwhelmed all the time. This was just yeah. like camp when I was out full-time camping. Campgrounds used to be that way, you know. If you better get in early in the afternoon and get your Wi-Fi undone before uh, five o'clock, yeah. because that's when everybody else is going to arrive in the campground, and uh, and you yeah. can't get anything. Yeah, and no, so I think the way to go that, is satellite. <laughs> you yeah, know? and 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 then and then they throw up the pitch that they they've got a ten dollar and a fifteen dollar option, and the ten dollar is spec for text. You know, so <laughs> it's what the freebie supposed to do. You know, right. And uh, and if yeah. you got anything more than that, it won't work. So they're they're driving you to the seventeen dollar when it was sixteen ninety something. Right. You know, but basically seventeen bucks, uh, yeah. and that's for a week. But I was only staying three days. You know, so I wasn't even getting a week's worth. Uh, but and they didn't have it on a pro rata basis. You know. Right. So I just uh, I, I said, well, the heck with that. I just plugged in my. You know, I just uh, used my my phone hotspot and i was in business <laughs> and it worked just fine you know mm-hmm. and, and it wasn't 5g but i ran whatever i wanted to do and got it done yeah no, no if problems you have a, if you have a decent signal sometimes you're much better off tethering to your your phone as a hotspot so yep i just looking in the um a, they've been advertising a lot on tv and now i've noticed that they're uh they're on sale a lot of places and that's the uh the uh, Microsoft Surface Pro 7s. I don't know if they're getting ready to come out with a new one or what, but uh, they are really pushing back against um, um, Apple right now. They've been running a lot of ads saying, you know, the Surface Pro is not just a tablet. It's a tablet and a laptop, you know, and it runs Windows, which means you can even play games on it. I'm going, yeah, have you ever played games on one of those things? They're pretty dang slow. Uh, But sure, you believe that if you want. But right now they've got the uh, a a a twelve point three inch Microsoft Surface Pro tablet, including the type cover, which is their their magnetic attached keyboard, uh, for five ninety nine at Best Buy. Now that is the low end one with only four gig of memory and one hundred twenty eight gigabyte SSD, and the Intel Core i three processor. Um, now, for those of you who don't know. These are also, they also are, um, uh, they run pretty hot because they've got an Intel processor and they've got a fan in them and they don't have the greatest battery life in the world. But if you need Windows, this is not a bad way to go. Uh, And then you get an ultra portable and you can use it as a tablet when you want to. Um, And it's, you know, a perfectly functioning machine. Um, Yeah. You know, for $599 for something that that tiny. And then the the Surface Go 2, which is a 10.5 inch tablet. Uh, with the same setup, with a keyboard and uh, keyboard cover and and uh, and device, it's only three ninety nine. Yeah. Well, I, I think uh, compared to iPad sales, they, they they may run somewhere around five percent or less. I mean, I, I don't think they're selling many at all. But you know, Apple can't keep them in stock. Yeah. So. So it's just uh, not even a competitor, really. Last I checked. So make makes you wonder who's who's buying them. 
I figured, you know, like you said, people are still working in business and depending on windows is about, about the only draw. And, uh, and then you give up a lot yeah. in terms of performance and everything else. I mean, just starting with performance. Yeah. iPads have always been really great. Oh, yeah. Great performer. Yeah. You know, there are people, though, who who are in the Windows world and would never, ever consider using an iPad or a, uh, a Mac even. You know, they're, they're, oh, yeah, they're going to go buy a Windows computer. But, and so when they're looking but, at that world, they're saying, well, you know, what are your options? There's some ultralights out there that are like MacBook Airs. There's some heavy-duty ones that are like Pros. And then there's these Microsoft Surface devices that are very much like iPads. And so it's like, well, what are you going to use it for? And, and, you know, how do you need it? So, I mean, yeah. you know, there's options out there for people. And as much as, as uh, Apple's laptops have been selling well, they're still – a small portion of the overall laptop market. Uh, yeah, I think fact, the, they recently I think fell the, to third behind uh, Chrome devices as uh, in laptop sales. Who did? Apple. Oh, laptop are, devices. Yeah. yeah. Now, what Apple doesn't do, and what most of these people don't do, is combine uh, laptops and, or, and iPads. You know, MacBooks and iPads are not considered the same device, and yet we know very well that there are people out there who who flat out use the iPad instead of the Mac for a lot of what for for everything that they do. It is an alternative yeah. device. It's it just requires you change your way of thinking. And uh yep. you know, and for some people that's no problem. And in fact, I would I would venture to say that for a lot of younger people whose, you know, first technology device was an iPhone, moving to an iPad is a much easier move than moving to a MacBook or a Chromebook. They're going like, why would I want that? I'll just go to the iPad. It's the same as my phone. It works great. I know how to do it. I know all the apps. That's what I want. So as time goes by, I, that's going to be more and more the way to go. I've, I've got to go uh, look look at uh, some comparative data on the various uh, uh, pad-type devices. Uh, uh -huh. I haven't done that in a while, but my, my guess is that uh, behind the iPad would be uh, the Amazon Fire stuff. Are there, is that what they call their tablets? Yeah, Fires? I'm not sure, but but they about give them away. I mean, they look at that the electronics market as as just a an extension for them to to support their their web stuff, you know, their Amazon yeah. app. Yeah, but, absolutely. I I think that they're um, they may actually outsell um, Apple in terms of total units sold. Uh, they certainly don't yeah. in terms of profit because they look at them. Uh, they look at devices, whether they be tablets or or the um, uh, Echo, you know, smart speakers. They look at all of those as just ways to give you yeah. uh, a a step into the Amazon world of buying things from Amazon. And, and so And so they're not trying to make money or make a, you know, I mean, obviously they don't want to lose money, but they're not trying to make a huge profit off of those devices. Those devices are all about getting you, you know, locked into and, and giving you new and easy ways to buy from them because that's their gig is, is selling you stuff. Right. And so, um, right. just like Apple doesn't, uh, care about collecting your data because they don't, they don't use that as a, as an income source, they make their money from selling things, uh, you know, and Google, you know, flips around and says, you know, we, we, We'll sell you things, but it's all about getting your data, right? We'll sell you things cheap, but it's all about getting information and data because that's how we make our money. So right. Always look at the motivation of the underlying company, right? 
I actually have some uh, of those Fire tablets, and they're they have a forked version of Android. Theirs is not the Android that Google sells. Um, right. They, they didn't want to depend on Google. Right. And so they went and created their own version that has their own interface that works the way they want it to, and they control it, and um, which is you know part of the the open source behind Android, and uh, uh, you know it works well, and their devices are well made. They're they're cheap, um, and they work pretty yep. good. You know, I mean for their for basic uses. Um, uh, when Elaine, my wife, was teaching in the classroom. She would like to have, you know, like some music playing in the background, uh, especially if there was just, you know, if it was kids were working on, on math problems and she wasn't you know, actively teaching, just have some music playing. And so uh, we got her a, an inexpensive Bluetooth speaker. And then I didn't want to set, uh, you know, a multiple hundred dollar iPad in there to play the music. And she didn't want to kill the battery on her phone. And so I went and got her one of these uh, Fire tablets and we put... Um, uh, Spotify on it, and she, you know, plays plays playlists on Spotify. You know, and she can play Christmas music at Christmas time or whatever she wants. And she kind of we, we go through and set up the the playlists so we make sure that they're, you know, school appropriate lyrics. And she can play music in the background, and she does it from this little Fire tablet, and it works fine. Hmm. Works fine. Hmm. And and when one of them yeah. died, I went and spent thirty five bucks and got a new one. <laughs> you know what? Okay. <laughs> You know, when the battery wouldn't hold the charge anymore, it's like, okay, no problem. Toss it. Let's let's recycle that one. We'll get another one. Because literally, it was a $35 tablet when it was on sale. I think they're like $50 normally. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's really interesting when you look at, uh, at the different ways to uh, market a, a certain type of product. Uh, and uh, and it's, a, it's important to, like you say, understand the, the motivation of the companies. And in that in that domain, uh, in fact, uh, I sent you another article about not downloading uh, one of Google's products. And uh, let's see, I forgot what that was. Now it says never use uh, Google Chrome on your iPhone, iPad, or Mac. And I don't use Google Chrome anywhere because I don't trust anything that's got Google's name on it. Um, but now there's good evidence as to why. Yeah. Now, Chrome is a uh, is a software stuff that you, yeah, it's their browser. Saying, don't down, yeah, don't load, download their browser. Yeah, and it's the number one browser on desktops in the world right now. Yeah. So it's uh, it so is it's known got some to be an incredible, horrible resource hog. On top of tracking everything you do, it it kills your battery on Macs, uh, and yeah. and um, on iPads less than that, less of a case. Because the way the um, iPads and iPhones are set up is that Chrome has to use the underlying um, uh, uh, rendering engine that's built into the operating system. So they can't come in and create their own rendering engine. Uh, yeah, I like, I, like, I like their little chart in there illustrating the data that, uh, that they grab from you. Under data linked to you, uh, my favorite uh, search engine, DuckDuckGo, is zero they don't take any of your data yep but th then there's firefox then we get into microsoft edge and then a little bit of uh, and then apple safari and then google chrome but boy mm -hmm. they load it up they, nothing they don't take oh they take everything <laughs> they can every little bit of information that they can log about you they do yeah absolutely and if and if, and, and if the data is not linked to you google chrome takes nothing they don't want it unless yeah. you're 
you're you're the product you know right <laughs> well and on top of that google is in the process and this is kind of what this i think this article talks about it maybe it wasn't this article but they're um they've always done it by putting um uh cookies on your device to keep track of who you are and apple is now requiring uh or will with the next release of their operating systems require that uh, any companies using those uh, to identify you know to identify the fact that they're taking data from you tell you what it is and then you can either say yes or no you can block it and mm -hmm. uh, now doesn't mean that they're, they're they can also mean they make their software say if you block it then the software won't work that's their option you know they can say you got to give us this information or we just won't work you know this this browser won't work for you um, but you know they don't want to do that well what Google's done is they've now started looking at other ways to track you rather than using cookies and that's what they're trying getting ready to do which is you know insidious they're trying to figure out ways around being tattled on by Apple's operating systems now right. the fact of the matter is Apple can come back and you know say that you know we'll look at that as well right yeah yep they're replacing cookies with what are called federated learning cohorts. And essentially what that is, is instead of grabbing information about, you know, Bob at, you know, 1154 South E Street, um, they will now say, you know, people who are like Bob, who happen to be of this age range and like to buy these kinds of things are now part of a cohort. And we will just put you in a cohort and you can be in multiple cohorts. Um, so that when we choose to tar target you, then we will target those cohorts. Fact of the matter is, right. that's how they've always done it anyway. They take all that personal yeah. information, but it's not like somebody buys an ad and says, "I want to, I want to advertise to Bob at you know at this address." They say, "I want to advertise yeah. to somebody of this age who, you know, shops for these kinds of things regularly and lives in this region." That's what I. That's my target audience. And so they've always used these kind of cohorts. It's kind of, yep. you know. They're just trying to obfuscate how they're collecting data about you in order to get around what Apple is saying that they have to disclose. And Apple can just as easily come back and say, well, you know, if you're using learning cohorts, then you have to disclose that too. Yep. yep. So, <laughs> so the games they play. Yeah. But kudos to Apple. I, I know that Facebook has been tearing them apart in the news media about this this uh, soon-to-be-released update. It's in beta right now. Um, but I think Apple's so on the right track, you know. And as Apple has pointed out, and, and as Tim Cook has pointed out, you know, we just believe that the, that the data belongs to the individual, and you should have the right to say who gets it and who doesn't. And if you want to give that data to these companies in order to use their software, that's fine, but they need to tell you what they're taking, and you have to make the decision. They shouldn't just take it without telling you, and, uh, yeah. and forcing them to do that on the on the uh, on the system that um, uh, you know is the most uh, the richest system in the world in terms of operating systems and and and, and you know the uh, um, what's the word I'm thinking of their their overall ecosystem uh, has more money passing through it. People buy more things through Apple than through you know android or 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 windows or yeah. anything else people who use their systems more are are apple users and um and so yeah. they very much want that audience right 
And if they want that audience, they're going to have to play by the rules that Apple lays out. And I think Apple's doing the right thing. So kudos to them. Yeah. <laughs> now, I yep. may rethink that when I keep getting annoyed by so-and-so wants to use your data. Do you want to let them? So-and-so wants, you know, it's like those stupid things that pop up on every uh, web page now saying this web page has cookies. Are you okay with that? I'm like, yeah. you know, isn't there a default where I can just say, yes, I'm okay, and you don't bug me anymore? You know, but yeah. that's because they did that because of uh, 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 a law passed in Europe. Europe said that all any web pages available in Europe uh, have to ask that question. Otherwise, you're not allowed to be. Well, there. you know, the thing I'm most disturbed about is not all these silly games that get played between the companies, but the ones that affect us as consumers, which started with spam on mail. Email was the first one to be. Uh, have all of these people throwing stuff at you. They they just they get your address from somewhere or not. Now it's just as bad on your phone. Text texting uh, spam is, is just overwhelming. There's nothing out there that we can communicate with uh, that either of the two text systems, the texting or the or the email or voice. Uh, because I, you get calls all the time from all kinds of phone numbers that make no sense at all to you. So I have to ignore everything that's not in my phone book. You know, yeah. I've, I've had blockers and they work for a while, but then they, they can't keep up. Yeah. And it doesn't matter what you do. Nothing is satisfactory. So yeah. basically all the communication systems that we pay to use are screwed up. They're, yeah. they're not what you really bargained for. Yeah, that you get inundated with, with advertising garbage that you didn't ask for and don't want. And it happens in, in voicemails it, it hap or in phone calls. It happens in text messages, uh, email. It's just, it's, it's difficult. I will tell you, though, that like on my phone, the phone calls, um, I use T-Mobile as my provider. And one of the services they provide is they do a whole bunch of tagging things as spam. And so a lot of those calls will come into my device, but it doesn't ring. And it's because it's been tagged as spam. And I can go in and say, no, this is something I actually want. But so far, I never have. They've been right. Everything that, and, and that seems to solve a lot of the problem of like the, the, the uh, phone call companies spoofing phone numbers. So it looks like it's coming from somewhere in your area, and it's not really. They seem to catch yeah. that. And I don't know what technology they're using, but they catch that, which I appreciate greatly. Um, well, Verizon does that same thing. I have what they call silent calls. Mm -hmm. They don't ring. And uh, that's because Verizon says, oh, you know, you're not going to care about this one, you know, uh -huh. but it still ends up, you know, it, it still ends up in the list that I, I got to clean out. Right. Of, yeah. There's a list of calls missed, and, and messages, voice messages, right? And it's yeah, usually missed you know, calls. somebody reading a script or some recorded message, one of the two. So, so that I can go through the missed calls and say, well, gee, I, you shouldn't have, you should have let that one ring. Now, yeah. I've, I've probably had some that, that are, are that way. I don't know who, who it is. There's calls like today I've got a call into a, a company that I want to call, ask them to call back. And they may call back and it may get blocked. I don't know. Yeah. You know? Uh, yeah. It's, it's just... It's just a pain. The communication system is just getting totally broken down. Yeah. And no, I don't I, know what to I, do I about really, it. If I call somewhere and they give you the option of, like, hit a button and we'll call you back, 
I'm very hesitant to do that because very often I'm not guaranteed to like pick up when they call me back. Because if I don't know the number and they don't call me back on the same number that I called them on, they've got other outgoing lines with different numbers. Um, I may or may not pick it up. You know, I just, it's, it's hard to say, Hey, I was looking around while we were talking earlier, by the way, and I found out a tablet vendor market share worldwide for 2020 and Apple has been anywhere between, uh, 60 and 56% of tablet share worldwide. And they're number one, Mm -hmm. the number two tablet vendor worldwide is Samsung. And they have been between 21 and 25% worldwide. And in fact, in the last uh, like four months, mm. they've gone up a couple percentages and, sa- and Apple has come down a couple percentages in, in market. So that's one and two. One is sitting at around you know, 50, 55%, 56% Apple. And Samsung is sitting yeah. at about 25%. Number three is, uh, is Amazon, and they're at 5.1%. And then everybody else below them is, you know, single digits or fractions of a digit. And that includes um, those that are, you know, unbranded, unknown Chinese, you know, models. And then Huawei, uh, Asus, Acer, you know, Google, Sony, Lenovo. uh, There's a bunch out there. But but, but don't a lot of those use the Google OS? All of them use Google OS with the exception of Apple. Uh, and, 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 And the aforementioned Amazon uses a a version of of android that has been forked their their own version specific to them but it is under the underlying operating system is still android but uh yeah yeah, so they're all uh um all there i think samsung used to sell one device that ran their tizen operating system which was a homegrown os but i don't know if they still do or not Tizen's still out there. I see it. Oh, I, I know it, it is. And they use it for a variety of things. They use it on watches and stuff like that. I just don't know if they still sell any tablets that run that or if they're all Android. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm going to change subjects on you here briefly. Uh, uh, the big issue now with delays in shipments of parts. I you know, agree. this is tying into politics, which, are, which is probably uh, where way behind the, the mark there, and that is we've kind of ignored the electronics market, just let China have it. And apparently uh, there are some people saying that's a bad idea and they're going to spend some money on it here. I don't know if they'll ever get it, the workers to uh, be able to hire the employees to help make them, but anyway. Uh, yeah, there's a skill set involved. Apple, App, Apple products are going to be delayed here, uh, and uh, the article basically says this is kind of a bad sign for the future here. Uh, so um, I, I don't know. I, uh, the article is a uh, one that I don't subscribe to, mm-hmm. but uh, uh, but I'd like to read it. <laughs> yeah, they're tempting me sometimes to get Apple News, but uh, I, I knew that was coming because I've seen the uh, some other stuff on it on the web and. I'm I'm wondering what's going to become of, of this because, uh, you know, as I said, some of our politicians are getting involved in it, and yeah. how how we can you know it's a big game to catch up. Yeah, you know, well, I, it's one of the things that Biden says he wants to do with his infrastructure bill is is uh, create um, 
homegrown manufacturing capabilities for some of this stuff because you know it leaves See, us. But, but 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 most of these guys just don't have the wherewithal to figure out that this is not the kind of thing for government to be in. It just isn't. They don't they don't have the tech. They don't even have the smarts to figure out how to invest uh, in in a lot of things. But they want to do it nevertheless. Well, I think that they're in a, you know, I mean, whether, regardless of which party is in charge, I think that we're, we're seeing very clearly, given the, the, this past year, that there are certain things that we as a country need to be able to maintain some capability in. And it's incumbent on us to do that. So, you know, they're not going to say, hey, we're going to build factories, but they can create incentives for companies to build factories and train people to do it. I mean, if we can train people to work in a an Amazon factory and, and uh, you know, pack boxes, we can teach them to, uh, to you know, solder chips onto, onto boards yeah. to, to, to well, the, assemble the, the best, electronics. Uh, yeah, the, the best outfit that I have ever seen, and they're still in business because I just saw them on 60 Minutes last night, is DARPA. It's a defense agency, advanced mm -hmm. research uh, outfit, and basically they, they've got... All, they've got the smartest people that, that they can get their hands on working there, and they love to come there because it's government-funded, and therefore they are willing, to, if, if you can convince the right people that there's there's a, uh, a possibility of things that you know about, that we can make some progress there, then you can get fully funded real quickly. Right, and, uh, but they're and, really, uh, really great at development. They're not a manufacturing wing. That's right. So, so they're yeah. great at developing things and processes, but you know we, we need American businesses to be motivated to to bring some of their production back to our shores in order that we're not reliant on you know governments that may or may not be willing to allow us to use their facilities because you know clearly uh, China, a lot of their manufacturing facilities and corporations are very closely tied to their government by design and and so you know if they choose to cut us off from some of that stuff or choose to prefer their own you know give their 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 um, production capability to their own devices as opposed to ours then we're in a bad spot right now um, and I know yeah. Um, yeah. Apple and other country companies have you know looked at moving things elsewhere I mean um, you know, Apple does some of their work with uh, Taiwan manufacturing, which is not based in mainland China, you know, at least right now, assuming Taiwan remains independent. Um, and they've set up uh, 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 manufacturing facilities in India. Um, of course, India is one of the countries that is currently right now being hit hardest by COVID. They're in the middle of their worst phase of it so far. And so you yeah. know, there's not a, lot of not a lot of production coming out of India. So, um, you know, um, that whole operations thing is incredibly complex and a lot of political issues involved. Quite honestly, though, you know, if I mean, again, not to, to keep touting Apple, but of all the companies, uh, you know, that's Tim Cook's expertise is that operations thing. Um, I think he's the right man at the right time for managing that, trying to set them up for yeah. for you know, better positions longer term. So, yeah, we'll see how it all plays but, out. But, but, yeah, but, but, at this, but, but as we move along into the future, he's he's in the middle of a very dangerous game.
Oh yeah. You know. Yes. Oh, he. You know, Apple could be squashed. I mean, quickly. If if uh, if they if they're helping China more than they're helping us. Yeah. Well, I don't know that they're you helping. Know? I don't think that they're they're certainly not going out of their way to help China, but they are. You know, the the vast majority of their manufacturing is happening well, in China. I, so, I, I meant that in the very general sense. It's a perception of what people, you know, think. Why why do we have an American company out there, you know, spending their money in China? That's, that's the way they see it. I, yeah, I, I mean, I guess perception can be changed, you know, pretty quickly one way or another. But I suspect, you know, they're not, first of all, they're not the only ones. They're going where the manufacturing capability was and was affordable. And, uh, yeah. you know, and if, if the situation changes, then they will change their manufacturing to match the new situation. Um, you know, and in fact, like I said, they are doing so um, because I think they saw you, you, they saw some real weaknesses in their production chain uh, you, when, you, when China you, started locking down. Yeah, you see, I think the thing that they can never, never going to be able to able to overcome and that is of all the big companies they have a lot of there's a lot of pollution associated with making semiconductors a lot of people aren't aware of that and that will never allow them to have a, a manufacturing of, of semiconductors here even though they're going to throw money at it somebody's going to take their money but they're not going to produce because they won't be allowed to yeah and that's that's the, the real hard edge of that business yeah. So. Well, and a lot of the uh, the rare metals and stuff are not even mined in places because just the mining of it is very dangerous. Yeah. And so. Uh, yeah. Uh, but but China's willing to do that. You see. Right. You don't you don't you don't have that crowd vote on whether whether or not it can kill us or or make us sick or all that. Mm-hmm. They 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 have a free hand at least they think they do yeah well up to this point they have and uh yeah you know so yeah i mean there are going to be some issues there i also know though too that there there is lots of work going on in development of um uh you know semiconductors that are less using less caustic chemicals and so you know and and anytime they can make that an affordable process where they can do it in a slightly cleaner way than they try to, um, because that also then drops some of their reliance on some of those metals that are, are, you know, in limited supply and from limited places in the world. Um, yeah. You know, cause I know one of the other things is that some of those metals are available in places in Africa, but some of those countries are also very war torn and, not a reliable source, right? So you don't want to bank your company on getting something from a place that could be shut down because of civil war every six months. Um, yeah. You know, it's amazing how much when you be, when you get to the level of CEO at a company like Apple or Google or or uh, you know Amazon, how much of what you're doing is really politics. Yeah. I yeah. think that's I think right. that's largely why Jeff Bezos has announced his retirement as CEO, because he's like, well, I'll remain I'll remain on the board, but I'm tired of getting called up before Congress to testify and and you know talk to a bunch of people who don't understand my business, and and by, you know, by <laughs> yeah, 
By the way, I, I mentioned DARPA earlier because there mm -hmm. was something that I was going to bring up, and that is what the subject of the show last night, which is I thought was absolutely phenomenal. First of all, you got a department uh, of our military connected to very closely connected to the military, and they're very concerned about uh, germ warfare and all these kinds of things. Mm -hmm. But anyway, the guys claim, and apparently they even uh, had a speaker from their uh, from DARPA uh, give a TED talk, which I haven't got, found to listen yet to yet, but it's talking about uh, moving beyond the capability that they used to develop the two vaccines, the Moderna and the Pfizer, both used technology that came out of DARPA mm -hmm. to to uh, to do this. But they're now talking about a vaccine, and they're and they're not not just talking about. It, they're convinced they're they're going to do it, and that is we will have a vaccine for all future viruses, all future viruses. The man said all. That takes some gumption, doesn't it? Uh, because they they apparently think they have a, a thorough understanding of how all of this stuff works. And uh, they said that's what they want for their soldiers. They want them immune to any of these kinds of things. Mm -hmm. Just shoot them all down right right at one time. And so uh, I don't know. That's you know, probably that, not the way you want far, to phrase that, but okay, when talking about soldiers, I, I, but okay. <laughs> yeah, how, how, how far out in the future, I wonder, is it before we get that vaccine? Right. You know? And then the other thing that I thought was really fascinating about their research is that they found that they, they had some old timers that uh, 100 years old, a few years back before they passed away, that they had gotten their DNA, and they found that they still had immunity from the 28 or 1918 uh, flu, uh -huh. you know, or influenza, the previous one. And yeah. basically, your body remembers anything it's ever been exposed to. And so they're really they really dug into the uh, the DNA and all of the stuff associated with that. Uh, to find out all of the things they had been exposed to, because it's it's like a, a, a the circles in a tree. It's a historical record of where, what your body uh, right saw. Well, yeah, your body maintains the antibodies, but what happens is is it's the 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 ability to produce those antibodies decreases over a period of time. So um, the, there's still evidence that you had been exposed to something in the past because your body has the ability to create antibodies for it. But the ability, but that ability uh, does not stay at full strength over a long period of time and that, uh, for, for, for certain things. And what they're trying to figure out is why does it stay for certain things and not for others? And that's, that's, that's the question yeah. that they're trying to solve right now. Um, but it's got all of the markers. It's, it's got all the markers of, of what that virus was like. Oh, yeah. You know? Yeah, they, yeah, exactly. They know how it attached to the cells and how it attacked the body. Yeah. One, one, one thing of importance that he did mention when he said we're, we'll vaccinate you against all viruses, he said the common cold will be no longer common yeah. <laughs> or some, something to that effect. But, you know, mm -hmm. <laughs> so I thought I thought that was a really cool show. Yeah, I mean, it sounds very cool. And I would like to, um, like I said, like to find the uh, the TED talk about it. My guess is, is that that while. This is certainly a goal that they're working towards that at this point that is still science fiction, that that is not something that they yeah. can 
can do. Um, but it doesn't mean that it's something that they won't do, you know, at some point. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. You know, well, and, it, and it was, they give you it, a vaccine against everything that we know of. But anytime there's something that's novel and new, like this, this particular virus, then they have to, you know, create a new vaccine or add to the the mega vaccine, this new new thing. Right. Yeah. So that. Uh, yeah. Uh, you have that protect because you can't protect against something you've never seen before. Um, well, the you other, know, unless you the get other part about guess. it is if you're trying to remember what somebody said and what they, you know, sometimes there's a little qualifier thrown in that you didn't catch, you know, the first right. time around. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, it might not sound as complete as it did to me last night, but I, it, it just got my attention just the way you said it. I said, wait, wait a minute. Yeah. You're, you're bragging, right? exaggerating doing something here i just don't know what what the catch is you know <laughs> yeah yeah well and and given the this last year that we've had that's you know that's that's thumping on your chest pretty proudly given given the you know it this i mean people are amazed at how quickly we were able to get vaccines out and that still took a year yeah you know yeah and in that year worldwide you know three million people have died so yep you know that's true I mean, great. I'm, so. I'm, I'm impressed that you were able to do it in a year. But, you know, there's three million people who could have used that a year ago. Um, right. You know. that, but that's but that's what prompted them to set zero as their marker for being able to to deal with anything in the future, because right. they, they think they've got an understanding that that allow that, you know. Right. That's, 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 let's just go get rid of those nasties. So, yeah. Well, and the ability, anyway. the ability to um, to do it more quickly, right? Now that we've got the the template, absolutely. Set, now you can say, okay, now we know what to do when something new comes along. How to very quickly turn around and have vaccines available, so that it doesn't yep. take a year. You know, these these RNA based um, vaccines that were both the Pfizer and the Moderna ones. Um, yeah. Uh, they can go much more quickly. Um, Although it's interesting that, you know, all of these things are still, they're grown, not made. And so even if you can do it quickly, it still takes a couple of months to grow the vaccine because they're all cultured as opposed to just, you know, they're not just chemicals mixed together. They are. I didn't think the, I didn't think Moderna and Pfizer were, I didn't think they used that term. Well, they, they, the process is slightly different, but they still are. They don't just manufacture it by mixing this and that and voila, you've got it. Well. They actually the have other, to culture this stuff. Well, the the other thing that I uh, read on the web that wasn't on last night's show is that in in reality, uh, the Moderna and Pfizer thing that we're calling vaccines aren't vaccines at all. Well, they the are. Whole they're approach just different. Is different. The approach is. They different. said the whole. There's, yeah. It's still a vaccine because what it's doing is triggering your body to make anti antibodies, and that's what vaccines do. But how it gets there is totally different. We always used to do it with either a live or or neutered uh, a neutered live or a dead piece of the actual vaccine. Here they right. looked at the vaccine and said, you know, this is how the vaccine attaches. We can teach the body to create something that blocks that attachment, and then use that as the vaccine. And that's essentially what the RNA does: is it blocks that particular attachment. So. Um, you know, it create our body still is what's protecting us. We we create the antibodies, yeah. and, and 
regardless of which vaccine you get, um, one methodology or the other basically tricks your body into creating that protection. So, but yeah, it's, it's pretty amazing if you sit down and read about how these RNA ones work. And that also is probably what he was talking about in terms of how we are able to, you know, create vaccines that uh, more quickly. But everything well, I've read says that even the RNA ones, it's 60 to 90 days from from uh, to produce a batch, basically, because it takes time for them to. Yeah. And it was the 60 of a better word. It was, as an intro to the show the 60 minute hosts. I can't remember which one it was for that segment, uh, basically said that this is the group that created the, the, the RNA term and what that that process. Mm-hmm. So. That's that's who she was talking to. That's where it came from. So, yeah. Anyway, pretty amazing that's, stuff. It's, really uh, is. Really and it's is. It's a type of technology. It's a technology that neither of us really have a lot of background in. I mean, ours has always been electronics technology, but biotech. They've been saying for you know the last 25, 30 years that biotech was the the new frontier of of exciting technologies. That electronics. We would find different ways of applying it, but that there hadn't been, you know, any major breakthroughs in in doing things differently. And I think I would disagree a little bit. I think there has been some, but um, but largely, well, it's remember, in, it's been in electronics production, the shrinking of everything. Yeah, yeah, but remember, we were supposed to, we did come up and hit a limit there on, on how much you could shrink it. So then they went, they took a different tack, and now they're still shrinking, doing it a different way. Right. So. It, you know, there's always a way to buy, bypass or sidestep some of these issues. Yeah, they're shrinking uh, it, and they're making things happen in parallel that weren't happening before, and it's just, yeah. So, I mean, yeah. it, it, you know, marches forward. A lot of smart people out there have different ideas about how to do things. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, but, yeah, the uh, definitely some, some pretty exciting stuff happening in biotech, um, and, uh, you know, and that allowed for a pretty quick response, you know, uh, mm-hmm. getting out and getting out, uh, viruses. I was just reading a thing. I think it was yesterday. Um, one of the leading, uh, viro- virologists in China said that the Chinese, um, virus or, or um, vaccine is only slightly over 50% effective. Um, I saw that. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm wondering how long that guy is going to be allowed to talk because I'm guessing that the Chinese will not tolerate him saying ours doesn't work very that, well. That, that's right. Um, but uh, in fact, I was pretty surprised to see somebody uh, speaking out like that, and you know, because generally they're not allowed to say anything negative about uh, about what's happening well, some, in their country. Pro- probably what really happened is that some journalists found a, a way to get the stuff and if, if he if he identified the source then i blame the journalist for being stupid because he just killed somebody you know yeah well i mean apparently uh the, the way the article that i read essentially said that the, that he that, i don't know the name of the gentleman but that he said this in the article i mean he he came out and said it um and he and, and expressed some concerns that theirs was not particularly effective um yeah I mean, when you're getting close to 50%, it's like, okay, <laughs> what are what are the odds yeah. with, with nothing? I mean, it's like, you know, let's flip a coin. I mean, that's what's the point, you know? Yeah. Um, although, I guess 50% is better than none, right? That means that 
if you get exposed, you know, half the time you're fine and half the time you're not. Uh, well, also, I read an article or saw a headline. I didn't read the article uh, yesterday that said that Moderna is considered to be effective for six months. So that means I better get in line for six months from now. Yeah. Well, and the thing is, is that we still don't know that, you know, we just don't all you know, time's going to tell. Right. It, it, people haven't been having it right. yet for six months. So we don't know what level of protection you're going to have over a period of time. Um, but but the other thing apparently they, somebody somebody's figured out close enough that, it, that they know it's not going to be as long as you'd like for it to last. You know, so well, yeah. And then when the question is. How much does it drop? Does it drop 10%, 20%, 50% in, in capability? Right. It's not like it just suddenly stops working on one day. You know, it, there, there's a, right. a decrease. But so, the other thing that, that is um, of some concern is that that uh, they've now kind of come out and said, yeah, after we've been doing some studying, that that variant that is in South Africa, none of the vaccines do a particularly good job with it. That it does okay with the one that came out of the U.K. and the one that's down in um, Brazil. Uh, but that that South Afri African variant vaccine really doesn't do much good for you there. So if that one happens to be, you know, big in your area, um, then you're really not that protected. So, yeah, which is not good to hear because, no, you know, if if um, the other variants can't spread and replicate themselves, they will slowly die off. And then the only one that will be left will be the one, you know, that's that's. That's how infections spread, right? Is right. The, the one I, that can I take wanna, advantage of the environment. The the line I want to get in is the one that DARP is talking about the the forever vaccine. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's like we need that for forever vaccine uh, a year ago. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I think it's 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 awfully interesting stuff. Um, yeah, it really is. I mean, there's a lot of interesting things going on, you know, all of the advances in, in, in changes in the way cars are being made and the move towards, um, you know, electric vehicles and, and what that's going to mean. And, you know, you and I have talked about that in terms of electric, you know, how do you store your energy for your electric yeah. vehicle? Is it in, in a hydrogen fuel cell or is it in a battery? Um, and both technologies are moving forward in leaps and bounds. Hard yep. to believe that batteries have had so much changes over the years, right? I mean, that's something that's well over 100 years old um, in terms yeah. of technology and yet continues to, to get better and better in terms of, you know, the amount of storage. Yeah. Yeah. So. Uh, and that's going to be advan anyway. advantageous for all of our devices. You know, I mean, yep, not, only, not only electric cars, but we're going to see that in, you know, in our phones and laptops and tablets and, uh, you know. Well, that's the whole thing that really caused the mobile uh, uh, phones and stuff to, to get popular. Without the batteries uh, improving, none of that would have happened. Yeah. I mean, electronics were important to, to that process also, but yeah. it really was all about how to build you know, small batteries that last a long time. Yeah. No, I remember those first, the first phones were like, you know, they were literally called brick phones because they were the size of a red brick. Um, I never had one when they were that size, but I had some of the first, I'm air quoting here, flip uh, flip phones that weren't really flip phones. They were, they were pretty thick too. You know, I mean, 
I remember a phone that weighed a pound and was, was you know, inch and a half, inch and three quarters thick because of the battery on the back of it. And that yeah. was just a phone. That's all it did. No texting, no data, no nothing. It was just a phone. Yeah. And it was amazing. You know, and it wasn't that long I, ago. It, you know, you know. I look back at my, uh, my career, and one of the uh, uh, science or uh, research areas that uh, I personally made a choice to invest in was uh, lithium-ion technology, yeah. which was batteries. And the, the, the downside of that was that, unfortunately, a year after I had invested in it, it was one of the Air Force labs that was doing this research had, a, had an accident. It was fatal. One of the guys uh, accidentally knocked a battery into a, into a uh, container of water and exploded. You know, yeah. you can't absolutely can't do that. Yeah. But it was had to do with safety procedures in the lab, so I really felt bad about that. But uh, anyway, uh, I had no idea when when I was making that call that lithium ion was one of the first batteries that really drove us to some of these uh, mobile yeah. devices. Now, yeah, the I nickel metal hydride. Uh, remember, not, they went from NiCad to nickel metal hydride, but both those had terrible memory issues. So you had to be careful yeah. about running it all the way down and then recharging it. Never, never charge it up when it's only half spent, right? Right, right. Yeah. But uh, anyway, that 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 investment was assuming that we. Uh, I worked on uh, missiles, and every ounce you put on that missile is really costly in terms yeah. of propulsion and all the other things. So you, you got to cut the weight of the payload down as much as possible. And yeah. looking back to uh, to uh, Minuteman three days, which was early missiles, way before when I was a young first in the Air Force, even earliest Minuteman were out there. Well, they had a, at that point in time a particular stage that was just for the guidance and control system, and over half of it was batteries. <laughs> so anyway, uh, that was that was our goal was to reduce the size of the batteries that were going up in these missiles because mm -hmm. that was the biggest weight contributed to weight because by the way batteries are extremely dense materials and very oh, yeah. heavy yeah well the lithium ion ones are significantly lighter and in fact lighter, yeah li lithium air batteries is what some places are doing now in slightly different chemi chemistry but even lighter yet well that's what's in my hearing aid air batteries uh-huh yeah no it's amazing the amount so. of energy that they can store in very small bits and pieces but like you said, yeah. they're pretty nasty chemicals. In fact, that was one of the biggest concerns about electric cars was, so you're going to send these things out there with several hundred pounds of some pretty nasty chemicals. What happens in a crash? You know? Right. And yeah. uh, they have uh, done a pretty good job, from what I'm able to gather, of making sure that those are sealed up. But there have been a few notable instances of, like, uh, some shrapnel on the road coming up and piercing the battery pack and causing the car to catch on fire. I know there's been a few Teslas yeah. that that's happened to. It's not unheard of. Yeah, um, yeah. They, they, the, the makers uh, really squash that news as best they can. Yeah. You know, they they they're afraid that, that we'll get uh, the uh, uh, same kind of scare of a nuclear plant, you know, burning up from this because anytime you concentrate energy, whether it's into into a nuclear reaction or just a chemical reaction, uh, you, 
you concentrate it, and the closer, the more it's concentrated, the more it becomes like a bomb, you know. And and mm-hmm. so, uh, there, therefore, when when things go wrong, it is a bomb. <laughs> yeah. Yep. yep. So not. not uh... But but you you can see that there's a lot of people still uh, very anti-nuclear power, and but what they don't know is that the, now they've really figured out how to contain the nuclear thing in, in smaller packages to, to and therefore organize the whole system such that the whole, this meltdown thing isn't even a possibility anymore. I'm not concerned about meltdown of nuclear products. Yeah. That's Although the, I, I that's will say the, that the, the, that's been... that a lot of the fear or concerns isn't necessarily the meltdown. I mean, yeah, you're right. The, say, the newer designs have resolved a lot of that. A lot of it is the the nuclear waste and the disposal thereof that's created by these things because that stuff has, you know, half-lives that outlive human beings. I mean, they, they stay bad for a long time. Yeah. And I know that problem is being worked as well. But, I'm, you know, that's, that's, I think, from my understanding, that's the major concern. Obviously, nobody wants a meltdown. Um, but, right. <laughs> but even an, even if the, the system works perfectly, you're creating a pretty hazardous waste and that has to be dealt with yeah uh i um i just opened a page here that says apple may might combine the apple tv and HomePod HomePod in a new product uh sounds like an interesting idea yeah yeah since uh, they I, both just sit there somewhere why why not have one box well, instead of two I would like them to go even further and make an Apple-based um, router again. You know, they quit making airports, and if if they're really concerned about people's security, then then why are they selling Google Nest routers? You know, the the right. Aero the Aero routers or the um, uh, Nest Aero Nest Aero routers. I mean, you know, that everything coming in into your house goes through a router. Seems to me like that's a perfect place for somebody to to track everything you do. Like I've read nothing but good things about Arrow, but as soon as they were purchased by, um, I said Google, they might be Amazon. I'm not sure. I can't remember who owns Arrow now. Um, But I wouldn't want either of those companies to have access to everything going in and out of my internet. Yep. (laughs) Yeah. Well, we. What was the name of that uh, internet mesh router? Arrow. You. uh, um, I use an Orbi made by Netgear, and that's a mesh router that I use here at my house. Eero is the one that I was trying to think of, and I said Eero. Um, and Eero is owned by Amazon now. You know, and, you know, they want to sell me stuff, which means they want to know everything they can about me. And I don't want to help them. I don't want to help them do that. <laughs> so. Well, Todd, I think uh, it's we've reached the end of our our show today. End of our show today, <laughs> I think so. Yeah, my I've, tummy's telling me it's time to wrap this sucker up. I know you're getting ready for lunch. So, I'm getting ready for a late breakfast because uh, I've been uh, either broadcasting on the radio or podcasting since um, well for four hours now. So yeah, it's time for me to take a break. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've enjoyed it a lot, and uh, we'll see you all next week. Have a wonderful week, everybody. Thanks for joining us. 
Mm-hmm. Bye-bye. Bye.